This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Casual Podcast. Please do me a favor and go to iTunes and leave me a review. It really helps us get bigger guests. And today I have Jay Martin on the line. Hey Jay. Hey Lane, how you doing? So Jay is a 33-year-old world traveler and entrepreneur and philanthropist who kind of funded his uh, world exploration with real estate. And uh, he is the host of the Real Estate Summit in Oakland, California coming up. Wanted to bring him on, talk about networking. And Jay, give people a little sense of how much simple passive cash flow are you making today and how you doing it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You know, right now I have a furnished rental business and that varies a little bit because I have someone else managing it. But I can get about 60,000 passive from that business and then about another 25 from real estate investments. So it's not, you know, a phenomenal salary for the Bay Area, but when you're living in other places besides the Bay, it works out pretty well. So it's about 85 right now, I would say, is the, the pretty passive portion got these investments going on and then you kind of detached yourself from the conventional W-2 working world. And how did that all happen? I graduated and I was working for the state of California in bank regulation. So I was working in an office job, kind of going bank to bank. Interesting group of people. It was interesting work, but I wanted to get free from an office and just be able to go travel. So that was my number one goal when I got into real estate was to be able to get out of the office. So the first thing I did is um, during the financial crisis, starting in 2012, started buying some properties um, through 2014 uh, to create some of the passive cash flow. After that, I started to build a furnished rental business, um, leasing and subleasing other people's property. So that was really what got me out of the office and out traveling to do what I really wanted to do. Then I had to start working on spending less time doing it, which was a whole other process that you know took another year or two. But that was kind of my my thing, I've been in an office job for a long time and I was just ready to go travel. So that was my number one goal. You're the host of the Oakland Summit. Let me know how that all got started. How does someone just start up a summit where people travel across the country and, and you get these big names to come in and, and talk about real estate? Um, that was probably started from me not knowing what I was doing. Um, actually, um, I, you know, you're on bigger pockets, um, also, and I encourage everyone to go on biggerpockets.com. It's a great networking resource for real estate investors. Uh, but actually it really, this is how my networking really all started. And that leads up to the summit. Johnson Hong and a couple other folks in San Francisco on bigger pockets organized a meetup, which we didn't have any meetups in San Francisco from bigger pockets at the time. Groups of folks getting together, chatting, no sales pitches, and when I went to that for the first time, you know, that really opened up my eyes to what was possible out there. There was a bunch of other investors doing similar things to what I was doing or wanted to do. So right after that, no one continued the meetup and I just started to, decided to start a meetup myself. So I started a meetup in San Francisco. Um, and I mean, this just shows you how networking snowballs. Shortly after that, I was contacted by someone from Bigger Pockets, and Josh Dorkin, the CEO, was coming out to San Francisco to speak at Google. He wanted to meet with some local bigger pockets folks, so he wanted to come out to my meetup. Um, obviously, that was the biggest uh, turnout we'd ever had. I think it was 100-something people. And um, they had done a big summit to get everyone together in 2012 and decided not to do it anymore. Um, it sounded like they weren't doing it again. So after that, I decided you know, I wanted to be a part of that. And if they weren't going to do it, I was going to do it myself. All right, and those recordings are floating around out there. I mean, there was a lot of good content in there. 
Yeah, absolutely. They sold those recordings. I'm trying to record our speakers also this year. But to be honest, it was, you know, rather than reinventing the wheel, I literally just did exactly what Bigger Pockets did. The day after I had that meetup with Josh, I put on Bigger Pockets. I said, hey, I'm going to have a big summit, invite everyone out, and I'm going to do this. At the time, I had no idea how much work it would be um, and maybe a mistake on my part. But um, what I ended up doing is just literally calling everyone that went to the prior Bigger Pocket Summit. Um, I called, you know, moderators from Bigger Pockets, people who wrote the books, um, people just like yourself that had been on a podcast just to invite them to come out and get in the mix. And that was really it. It was just picking up the phone and calling everyone to get everyone together. I think that's what Gary Vaynerchuk calls a land grab. He went big with Twitter when nobody else was doing it. I mean, that's kind of what you did. You just kind of grabbed it and, and ran with it. And now it's kind of yours. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I kind of like this for other investments and things like that. You know, I don't want to say being original is overrated, but, you know, it's difficult sometimes to go blaze your own brand new trail and literally just replicating what people wanted that was out there that wasn't being done. Like I saw the hole in the marketplace and just jumped on it and became the only game in town on that. Um, so this was really, it was my way of just meeting more people because I was so into networking and so new to it. I just wanted to get these people in touch with each other and myself, not necessarily knowing what was going to come of it. That's what networking is all about. You know, you got to get out there and just, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know who you don't know until you meet them. You kind of just did what Toyota did and just steal all the good ideas from Ford and American companies and make it a hell of a lot better. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if it's not patented, again, it's it's not just like, it's not reinventing the wheel, right? They didn't make a whole new wheel. They just found the things that were good, assembled them together and packaged them in a way that, you know, worked for people. That's what we really try to do with the summit. It's not a bunch of sales BS. It's really just about getting folks together to network, make connections and get a little bit deeper connected to do deals down the road. And I went last year to Oakland and I thought it was a pretty good a summit. I mean, the, the speakers for me, I, I'd heard a lot of their talks before, but it was really the networking. I think you guys spent a lot of time creating sessions where people could network. You guys had the one on, I think it was Saturday night, where it was just a big free for all and you guys hosted it with beer and wine. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, you know, the education's part of it, and that's part of what gets people out to, you know, learn about different aspects of investing. I think the bigger thing is if you can meet one person that either gives you a great idea or hook up with on a deal or brings you a deal, it pays for itself, you know, a million times over. So it's just about meeting that right person. We're going to do it a little bit more focused this year with a networking app and um, a little bit more breakout sessions to get in touch with people that are more specifically important to you. But um, that's really what it's all about. Again, it's that one idea or meeting that one person who changes what you're doing. And those are the takeaways that I you know, bring away from networking and the reason I still spend the time going out to stuff like that. You know, our paths crossed in Seattle this summer when you're just happening to uh, pick there as a residence for the summer. Yeah. You're cherry picking the good weather. And, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and um, you know, we met up at a meetup. And uh, let's talk about different formats for these networking meetings. You've got the big RIAs. These are the ones that you pay. These are the traditional real estate meetings, supposedly under the umbrella of REIA, whatever that really is. Then you've got the free meetups, uh, whether you donate five, 10 bucks here or completely free. What's your thoughts there on quality of whether you got to pay 10, 20 bucks a meeting or if it's free or not? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit all over the map. For me, I guess I would approach it as an attendee. So first of all, like, what do I want to get out of it? And what kind of environment do I want to be in? And what do I want to do? I think it tends to be that newer folks tend to like a speech on a particular topic a little bit more because they want to get introduced to a particular topic in an easy manner, rather than just getting thrown in a mix of people who are talking at a very high level. 
Right, because they don't, you know, you don't know anything. So what good for them to go out in the free open world and just mingle, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you walk into a room where there's no speeches and just 30 very experienced investors and you know absolutely nothing, I'm not saying don't do it. I mean, you can always pull things out of that. You're going to take a lot of notes of things to look up later. But it's a little bit more accessible maybe um, to go to something where there's someone speaking so you can learn about a different topic. I don't want to necessarily discourage anyone. I mean, I think it's really important to hook up with more experienced investors that can potentially mentor you throughout time. But I've just seen that different people are drawn to different types of formats. Um, so I would say the, the biggest split for me is those that do focus mainly on a speech and just have a little bit of networking time. And there's other meetups that will only have networking time and no speeches. Those tend to be a little bit more, I think, along the philosophy of bigger pockets where they're there to just share. Whereas oftentimes if there's a speaker, they have an objective. There's a reason that they've come out to share information. Not always just because they're the nicest people on the planet. They may have a business or a product. There's nothing wrong with that either. Maybe it's a valuable business or product for you that you should be hearing about. But I think once you have to get people speaking, you tend to get different motivations that can creep into that, I think. All right. And I, I think I'm aligned with the bigger pockets uh, mentality where, you know, we don't like the big RIAs because those guys, they just bring in these pitch fest guys. And the deal is you get a kickback. They get like a quarter or half of the sales or whatever, you know, the speaker comes in of their $500 coaching program and $30,000. Exactly. And, you know, that's, that's exactly like I was approached by the group um, for the summit. They said, hey, if we can come out and speak, you know, we can give you 50% of all our coaching sales, you know, this and this and that. But that's going to incentivize them to sell from the stage, which is exactly what we don't want. Um, so I said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. You know, we're not doing any ticket sales splits, none of that stuff. It's really just for sharing and networking. Um, again, I don't want to cast, you know, too much bad light. For some people, coaching works. For some people, that might be a way, maybe if they don't have time to go, you know, do it themselves, so to speak. But really, you need to have time to do it yourself no matter what. So I, I do think there's a difference in those two different types of meetups. I, I encourage everyone to go out and try each one, see what works for you. Uh, some have different topics. For example, I, I saw you uh, at Troy's uh, Cascadia Investors Alliance meetup, and I think it's more experienced people it tends to be. Whereas I go to another meetup in Seattle, and maybe it's a, f a lot more newer folks that are listening to the speeches. But again, it's their meetup was on a very specific type of investing, on flipping. So for some people who are flipping, that might be a great place to go to be all around the people who are in your, your same field of investing. With the RIA meetings, usually you've got to pay 10, 20 bucks per meeting. And that other type of meeting that you're talking about, that, that was a free meeting. And normally, I mean, I've, I got mixed feelings about, you know, paying because like you want to pay because it rises the level of people in the room. You know, they're, they're just more committed. Yeah, and, which is still nothing, but it's something. <laughs> and, and it's something that I've kind of discovered lately going to different real estate meetings is you, instead of going to like a dozen meetings all at 10 bucks per, you want to try and figure out what's the most expensive one you can get to and go to that one. Huh. I mean, you know, there's the, yeah. it, it, I, I've learned that from another platform. There's that summit at sea that everybody goes to all the big names. I mean, that's huge, the high level networking. Mm -hmm. And that one's thousands of dollars to go to, you know, a lot of these other networking meetings are a thousand dollars, but a lot of big players go to these masterminds where it's twenty twenty five thousand dollars mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I joined up with one particular and everybody will swear by them. I mean, it just yeah. sounds like a lot of money, but just the value that you get from the people. And yeah, you got to be up to a certain point, but mm -hmm. it's just being totally valuable. 
Absolutely. Uh, to me, it comes back to that idea of if you get one great idea or one great connection that leads your business in a different way or allows it to multiply or whatever it may be, or find something, you know, a way that you can really enjoy your life, whatever that reward is that you get out of it, it doesn't take that much. You know, again, that one idea, that one connection that takes you to a whole other level in that regards, 25,000 is nothing. I would say my, my thing with cost is it really depends what's behind it. You can go to free meetups that are great because they're not trying to pitch anything and they're just there to hang out. You can go to free seminars sometimes that are free because they're doing the sales stuff there. Whereas, you know, sometimes there's very expensive seminars that, you know, might be a bunch of BS and they're just trying to get accredited investors together. And there's others where they're bringing all the high level folks and they're charging because they're not selling. Um, so I think it can vary a lot, but you got to really look what's behind it and what's behind it for you. If you're trying to connect with higher level investors and it costs money to do it, do what it takes. You know, if you're just trying to kind of fill out the field and see what's out there. Right. And I think you mentioned the name earlier, and I think I'm going to probably have to edit that one out. But if people want to know who that was, let me know. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of those guys because quite frankly, they're in a way they're constructed to be bird dog factory recruitment trainings. <laughs> I mean, they'll train you, but essentially, you know, they're the experienced uh, real estate investor and all they're doing is trying to find people who will find deals for them because they know you don't have the network to be able to close a deal nor the network to be able to find a seller. So right. conveniently them as the, uh, the guru, you're just doing all the hard work for them. And that's why they need armies of them because that's the hardest part of real estate is finding the deal these days in the seller's market. Yeah. Funding's easy. The deal is hard. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, there's probably a lot of people who are newer trying to get into real estate. They don't know what to do and someone's giving them a little bit of a roadmap. I guess what I would say is the alternative to paying a lot for that is you can go to a local beat-up where there's a bunch of flippers and say, hey, I'm newer. I am willing to do some work, you know, and then we can partner up on the deal together so that the newer person can also learn the mechanics of going through a deal. But again, you don't have to pay for that network. It can be found among your local BP meetup or meetup.com or whatever it may be. Right. And yeah, I don't know why these guys like pay for the training. And, and when somebody brings you the deal, I mean, I guess people don't realize that the deal is so valuable that you really shouldn't be paying for the coaching. And I, I don't know why. The second reason is when the guy with the deal finds out in a couple of years how he got screwed by that one guy, he's going to get pissed. And now you get, now you create, just created your own competition. And that's why I don't like the the flipping because it's, it's a low barrier to entry and it's not like apartment investing or the short-term rentals that you do. It's, it's harder to get into that barrier to entry is harder, but you know, everybody can be a wholesaler or a flipper. Yeah. I think anyone can try to do it. There's very few who seem to do it really successfully consistently. Um, but I think, you know, that takes a lot more the effort, the drive, the persistence, you know, some of these guys, I have seen meetup leaders that do sort of use the group as bird doggers, but they tend to be newer folks who they're hungry and they want to go find something and they need someone to bring it to, to get it done and to learn. I think there can be things on, that are beneficial for both people, but I agree. It's not something you have to pay a big coaching fee for. You can just meet the people and they'd be happy if you bring them a deal to teach you along the way or do that deal together, partner up. A third way I see meetups done is let's a round circle of, it's usually smaller groups of people, like eight to a dozen, and everybody just kind of goes around the room and has their five minutes of fame. And I've liked that, you know, for more buy and hold investors, it seems to work with, mm -hmm. as opposed to the active real estate stuff. Any other kinds of networking formats 
out there. I've also seen the cash flow game too. Not, I haven't really been to any of those. You know, I've never actually played the game. Someone used to try to convince me to play it back in uh, 2011 when I was actually looking for property, but I was right. you know, busy looking and buying it. It's kind of uh, boring, yeah? I mean, yeah. I, I use a calculator when I play. I don't use that money. <laughs> I, you know, like I said, I actually haven't played myself, but I don't know. I mean, I guess whatever gets, I think that's more of like a motivation thing to get you interested and get started and introduce concepts or something. I would say to me, the biggest difference is the speech, no speech ones. There are some games. Um, there are some social ones, actually, which I think are really great. I mentioned Troy earlier. It does this too. It's kind of like they'll go do an escape room game together or they'll go just drink at a bar. You know, and of course, real estate is going to be a topic, but it's not necessarily just a real estate networking thing, a social outing. So I would say, you know, whether you're doing that in a meetup or just going out with someone, I think some of the strongest relationships that I've made have been with people that I've just hung out with, so to speak. You know, just go out and have a drink, go out and have dinner, whatever it may be to get better connected with them on a personal level. A couple of things that I've done is because my investing is more, hey, you've got to put down 50 grand on a syndication got to build a pretty strong relationship. I've been focusing on very small groups or even one-to-ones. So like on my lunch break, I'll just have like a, an open, hey, we're going to go and walk to the park. You know, yeah. walk and talk about real estate is what I call it. Hey, we'll meet up at the dog park because I got to take my dog to the dog park. Yeah, I think that's great. And especially if you can incorporate something that you're already doing in your life. Not only, you know, can you kind of do two things at once, so to speak, but like people really appreciate the, I think the authenticity that, no, it's not like meet me in a boardroom with suit and tie and we'll talk about this deal. It's like, you know, you're still a normal person. You're going to do regular things in the day. You enjoy the outdoors. You enjoy your dog. It's like, hey, bring your dog too. You know, come, come out and hang out. We'll go walk our dogs and talk real estate. All right. Let's get some exercise, right? Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. I don't want another lunch or I don't want coffee. I think it ultimately comes down to that personal connection and really the people that I work with today, they're not really the people I met at a meetup group and like took their card and met them for two minutes. They're people that I saw over and over each month at these meetup groups and sat down with, you know, had drinks you know, had food, went and did other stuff outside the meetup group together. And really just people that I enjoy being around. But I think that personal connection can be so strong. A lot of people think, oh, just go to a meetup group and collect as many business cards as possible. And then they go home, throw them in the drawer, never talk to anyone, and they wonder what happened. And I think you, you're bringing up a good point there that, I mean, after going for about six months, you, you get a sense of who's there for one or two times and you never see them again. I mean, let's face it, it's, it's real estate and this stuff isn't cheap. Entry is a lot higher and walk rate of people just giving up is pretty high. That second part is the bigger emphasis for me. I mean, there's, there's money out there. You know, people can do it if they have the time and energy and persistence to find a deal. But I think what you get right now, and especially now when the real estate market is hot, is a lot of people who like the sound of making a lot of money, but eventually realize how much work and effort and persistent drive it takes to do it successfully. To me, I think that's why people show up and then drop out. I don't want to say I don't want to waste too much time on them, but I do kind of wait to see who's like really sticking around before you really, um, you know, dedicate time to maybe mentoring someone. Right. I mean, it's, it's just like on this, this podcast, you know, I'll get an email and they'll be asking all the same questions. Like, what do I do for my LLC? What do you do about, you know, property management? And they're, they're like, you know, they're all the top 10 newbie questions. And I, you know, I want to help as much people as I can. That's why I tell them to go to the uh, the Hui Facebook page and ask there, so at least you know other people can see the answer. Yeah. But you know, a lot of these guys, you just never hear from them again, and it's just not worth the trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of got some things together with some links to different topics, and it's like, oh, okay, if you read all this stuff, go through this material, and then 
once you've done that, you can, you know, I'll talk to you. You know, so it's like once you put forth the effort to do the research that you need to do, then I'll spend my time answering the more important stuff. Yeah, a lot of guys have been asking, hey, man, I want to get on this like apartment investing thing you're doing. Let me help out. And I'm like, okay, the hardest thing is find a deal. Go find a deal. And then they're like, they bring back like six properties. Like, whoa, this is hard, man. Like, (laughs) you're asking way too much in terms of your criteria, man. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, then poof, you never hear them again. Yeah. And it's, it's, you'll, you figure out, I think quickly who the, the real people who are going to stick around and who are going to follow up. I, w- I would say that's probably the number one thing is following up. There's a lot of people who just, you know, they're kind of one and done or they show up or they collect business cards, but don't do anything with them. And by the way, I'm bad at this too. So I'm not trying to criticize anyone else. If you collect business cards, meet someone for two minutes and you never talk to them again, it's going to probably do nothing. Number two, who's important to you there? It's not about getting 30 business cards, but if you listen to or meet someone that's really interests you in something you want to get into or has an expertise um, in what you're already doing, those are the people you need to hone in on, you know, make sure you follow up with a call, get in touch. At the same time, you don't want to just headhunt the the Guru X because they're not going to really help you, right? Like those, (laughs) they just have too much stuff going on. And this is my number one networking tip is don't be an asshole, right? Don't just keep asking question after question after question, right? Like yeah. Add value first, leave with value mm-hmm. because you'll just be another one of these bozos. Just keep asking questions. And for these guys who are doing a successful buy and hold portfolio or a flipping portfolio, you know, they don't have the time. Hey Jay, like tell me how to like help you, you know, tell me how to add value to. And it's like, well, I don't even have t- time to even think of things for you to do, you know? Like you figure out what I need and you go out and do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, just even recognizing, for example, that you have a podcast and being like, Hey, can I go help you find some great people who are on podcasts that are, you know, into something that you like, you know, or right. into your topic here that in this idea of a passive cash flow. Right. And give, um, give without quid pro quo agenda, just send over, you know, I, that's what I do. I, I don't get any kickbacks from sending over CPA or lawyer referrals. I just do it. Right. Because it's putting that social currency in the bank and Mm -hmm. it's going to pay off at the end. I'm not doing it for like 20, 30, 50 bucks a referral or anything like that. I just do it without any outcome. And I think this is actually super important and it's a super important part of networking. Um, You know, whether you're new or slightly experienced or very experienced, there's always someone out there like a mentor, like you were talking about, right? You've done a lot of stuff, you own a bunch of property, but you're still out there networking with people that are as experienced or more experienced than you are. Like you make the focus to go do that. And I think people can do it, but yeah, it's not about asking for a mentor. It's about helping people out. My biggest thing, if I want to talk to someone, I offer to come meet them basically whenever they want near wherever they're at and buy them lunch. And it's a very simple thing, but if they don't have to go out of their way to meet you, almost everyone will say yes to that. And it's a great way to just get your foot in the door, go talk to them, you know, ask them how life is going, talk about their family, you know, what they're interested in. People will open up and share with you and get connected with you way more on that stuff. I'll get sent a message through a f- the internet forms, and, which is a horrible way of connecting with people, I think. <laughs> but they'll be like, you know, hey man, how I get a hold of you? I'm like, oh, send me an email. It's like, man, where's your email? I'm like, my email is right on my signature line right there. You know, if you <laughs> click on my portfolio, you'll see it right there. Not being one of the big boys investing quite yet, 
aka the accredited investor in the eyes of the SEC, it's tough to find good options for investing. But then I started investing in the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, or AHP Fund, which is crowdfunding the mortgage crisis in America. The fund collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when they approached me to become an advertiser of the company. You can start investing with as little as 100 bucks, and if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email to lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. But, but those are the people that you think maybe they need too much hold, hand-holding. And I right, don't right. Them. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to filter people, but I am, you know? I mean, well, I want to help figure people. Out how to contact someone, then right. maybe you do have an issue to, you know, to start with. Also, it's being persistent too, because people, you know, they don't check all their emails. But when you re-ping people, always, again, add with value. And, and from my point of view, I don't have any formal mentors. I mean, there's mentors that I've paid for, and that's another thing. But the informed mentors that I do have that are, are non-compensated, I've just added value to probably about a dozen people. And these few people have come back and given me the mentorship. So it is sort of a numbers game. And I think absolutely like creating value, you know, for that person is the number one way. I will say it's almost been surprising to me that like there are a lot of experienced investors who do want to help people, even if it doesn't add to their own investment or business, but it's for them, it's more about someone that they want to help, right? Like there's a million people asking for help. So like, why help you? And I think that has a lot to do with the drive, the persistence, are you following up on what they say? Are you doing the research that they're talking about? Kind of following up on their advice. If you ask for something, they tell you something, you never do anything with it, they're not gonna talk to you again. Um, if you follow their advice and say, hey, you talked about this, I went and did all this research and I found X, Y, Z. Now they're like, oh, okay, this person's actually gonna learn from me, I'm not wasting my time. And I think you can get a lot back that way also. You know, talk with adding value to whatever they're doing. Right, I did X, Y, Z and I was wondering, hey, did you try W right here? Yeah. But if, if you take people's advice and go out and, and implement it and talk to them about it and, you know, really seeking their wisdom, I think a lot of people are, will be surprisingly open also. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for me, it's always, you know, let's get people single family home to get out of the rat race so they can see the light and into bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm always asking, like, why do you want to do this? You know, is it the thing I'm looking for is that compelling reason why my wife and, and I work 80 hours a week and our kids just stay at daycare all day long. You know, that's a compelling reason why. And they're going to jump over barriers, not like the dude who came and find the email address that I've got <laughs> on my signature line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's about that motivation. Um, you know, I definitely had that strong motivation when I was trying to get out my W2 job. And I think, you know, especially people with families, you know, they're tired of not seeing their kids or they're tired of commuting or being in the office all day or missing that event. And to be able to get free from that, it should be highly motivating. Um, sometimes they don't always have the time to do it, right? So this is maybe another thing with networking and meetups is finding out, do you want to be passive or active? I think a lot of people think they want to be active until they find out what it involves. And then they realize, hey, if I have a good job or I'm making good money or have good savings, it may be better off deploying that and someone that knows how to manage it, you know, just like yourself, you know, syndications, things like that, because frankly, they do want to spend time with their family or they do want to do something else. They don't want to spend all their time on real estate. So I think it's good to know what you want, how that fits into your lifestyle and how you go about finding that and doing it. I mean, I'm a passive investor and some of these meetups are more for flippers and wholesalers and not to say that, you know, you can't find a common portfolio lender or be able to 
lend on somebody's private money lending deal from time to time. But the question is, is it worth your time with time being the most important resource? And there may be, there's probably a little bit more competitive nature um, in that kind of environment maybe than in the buy and hold or syndication type thing. It seems to be a little bit more sharing there. It's all that barrier to entry with the fix and flippers. There's only one deal and, and there's only one that way that they're finding properties where it's probate or whatever, whatever, some secret that they, they hold onto that. And that, that was something that kind of drove me crazy and why I like the buy and hold group that we share a lot more and a lot more collaborative. Yeah. The other major difference being it's frankly a lot more work. Like it's a lot of work to market for deals, um, negotiate them, close, manage a contractor, sell the house. It's just, I've never, you know, I've never gotten into it. I'm more, I want to relax and just, you know, have the, the ongoing cash flow without finding deals. So I'm more, yeah, in your line of thinking with that. Um, I just don't want to be that active, I think. Um, then it's more a matter of bringing the right people and screening the people. I am a proponent for screening people and qualifying people in terms of like, hey, what are they doing? And don't just spend the whole evening talking to the person. I also see it done wrong. You know, I see people, they'll meet somebody and, you know, they're trying to find a, a lender for their deal. And they're going around and, you know, they'll come talk to me and they'll quickly realize that I'm pretty sophisticated and I'm not going to go after their 5% deal. And then they just, they just run away. They're not there to try and build a relationship. They're more from that camp of scorching the earth as opposed to being a farmer, which uh, it puts a lot of people off when your, uh, your personality and your reputation is really more important than making that sale. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for something like a lender, which is plentiful. Yeah. I'm with you. I've actually, I mean, the way you come across to people, the way you communicate, the way you hold yourself and what you do is, is going to carry with you a long ways. I mean, it's, it's a relatively small community, I think, in real estate investing. Even though it seems big, I mean, you run across a lot of the same people over and over. Don't just be out for whatever you're trying to find today. You know, start building those relationships for the future, even if you don't know where they're going to lead. The bottom-up technique that I use is just every interaction you have, try and add value, whether it's a contact, a uh, an article, or some kind of, if you and I can't work together, hey, have you talked to Flipper Joe, you know, or yeah. have you talked to this bank, or hey, this is what I did. Absolutely. Add value for them, and it's not about you. Yeah, so adding value kind of goes along with the philosophy of abundance, you know, type thing. It's like, there's plenty of deals out there, there's, well... And even though they're hard to find, right? It's like you talking to someone, someone isn't going to ruin your business. Um, and being willing and open to share and share those contacts in your network, um, it really does pay off a lot because people see that you're genuinely trying to help out and not just trying to, you know, selectively share when you need to get ahead or something like that. Right. But there's also other contacts you don't want to really give out freely, like brokers. You don't want to tell who your broker is because... Now your good broker is going to get inundated by all these bozos, right? I mean, those, some yeah. of those things are very obvious and some people don't really get why. We all have our certain secrets, right? I mean, um, you know, you want to be open and sharing with, with what they need most without, I mean, you're not going to give up the one thing that's, you know, working super well for you if, you know, if it's not, if it can't be multiplied through other people. You know, with 95% of, of everything you have and what you know, you can share with everyone without, you know, being fearful for your business. And I think some people just don't understand that or they think anything they say is going to hurt them. But those aren't the people to do business with. So. Right. And if anything, you're filtering out to see who are the givers and who are the takers out there. So, hey, give away some information and see what they do with it. And then you've quickly determined if you want to interact with this person in the future or stay clear away from those sharks. Yeah. Yeah. And again, once you spend time with people, you can, you know, you can figure it out. At least the people I do a lot of business with, you know, there's a core of three or four 
um, you know, that I know really well, you know, met their families and stuff like that. Those people, you know, I'm willing to share basically whatever, because I don't think they're going to try to rip off my business. Frankly, they're just doing other stuff too. So they're, they're not going to do that anyway. Right. Yeah. And, and something that comes to mind is, I don't know if you met Tarl, but he was on one of my earlier podcasts and he does something completely different. He's, he's a flipper. He's a high volume flipper. And, but it's cool to have a conversation about like, Hey man, how are you using like these Facebook ads? And he's always going Facebook live and doing stuff like that. And it, it's kind of neat to have a discussion like that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I talked earlier about finding people who are really important to you. And sometimes that can be someone who's doing what you're doing. Sometimes it can be someone, you know, doing something totally different. And because they're either operating a business or because they're an experienced investor, they have a lot of insights on different things that maybe you or I hadn't thought about. Um, and actually, I, I talked to Charles too. And one thing, like, I didn't know you could target an IP address on Facebook. So you can, you can like literally select an address and target to that person's computer. Yeah, the IP targeting. If people want to Google that, like you just, you just, if you have like an existing email list, you can see what IP they come from, and you can start targeting them. Yeah, you can do based on addresses. But anyway, you know, and, and not that we're focusing on that necessarily, but it is this idea that like someone doing a totally different type of investing than me had this amazing thing that maybe I can use in targeting, you know, for a different business that I have or something like that. Right, right. But those things, you know, they quickly change and they get popularized and then they're, then they're out. Yeah. Yeah. That's true too. Um, I think it's, you know, it's part of, it's just keeping your eyes open. You know, you don't know what you don't know until you meet someone that teaches you that eyes and ears open to different things, how that you might be able to utilize those concepts or those tools in your business or in your investing, um, or to, you know, achieve a better work-life balance or whatever it may be. That's really valuable. And so that's, that's why I'm just always out there trying to you know meet someone new and see what they have people just mentors really appreciate that you're getting something out of it. They're not wasting their time either. Let's take it more granular. And like, we're going to the Oakland summit. What are some steps that people need to do? And when they get there and they're standing out in the corner of the room, like what are some uh, things that you do to loosen yourself up and some things that get the networking going? You know, whether someone's coming out to the summit or if you're going to a different networking event, especially something that's a little bit bigger and you want to focus some time on, um, it actually starts before the event. So number one, like, you know, in this case, we have a networking app that everyone's going to be able to upload their info into and get connected before the event. But even if you don't have something like that, like on meetup.com, there's profiles on there, right? You can click it and see if someone filled in their profile and what they do. So I think that's number one is if, if you have the time and the commitment to do it, take a quick look at who's going to the event and who might be important to you before you head up out there. Um, and that'll do a couple things, right? Is one, you're going to maybe have an idea or a list of people who will be likely more valuable to you that you might want to spend some time talking to them. Um, the second thing is that if you show up and someone says their name and you said, Oh yeah, I looked you up online. I noticed you do X, Y, Z. And I'm really interested in talking to you. You've already shown that you're willing to commit time, energy into meeting people and not waste their time because you're putting your time in already. Um, so I think that's a, that's the number one to start is find out who's going, find out who's important to you, learn a little bit about them. Just like if you were going to meet someone who you want to mentor you, look them up online, see what they're doing, see what they're interested in. You know, show them you're serious about the interview. Make an introduction via online before you go. I mean, I'm not really saying go after the speakers, the, uh, the second tier, the, just the kind of the Joe Blows like yourself. I'll ping like, you know, someone like yourself and say, hey, hey, Jay, I'll, I'll see you at the summit. You know, uh, maybe we could talk about this, you know, build that bridge so that when you finally do meet, we can have our awkward handshake about, hey, uh, we 
first time meeting in person. We've only met virtually. And then, but then you can get right into it because you've built that bridge. And it could be so small just as to say, hey, I saw on your profile, you know, you do X, Y, Z, and I definitely want to talk to you about it. You know, just wanted to drop a line and say hi, see you wreck your face. You're already 10 times more connected than any stranger in that room. Just that little, little tiny seed that you planted before you showed up. Number two is to have some kind of goal about what you want to get out of it. Is it you want to learn something new or get an idea about how to do some new type of investing? Do you want to meet people that meet, you know, have specific goals? And a big part of that is what do you have to offer? So what are you experienced in? And a lot of these networking meetups, you know, there'll be haves and wants. So what do you want? And also what do you have to offer? Um, so this will be on the, the app in our case too, but whatever it may be, even if it's just for yourself, make a little list of things that you are either experienced in, know well. Even if you're not a real estate investor today, you might be a web developer, you might have a lot of contacts in a certain industry. Um, your uncle might be a, you know, a construction manager or something, or a GC. Um, so think about the things that you have to offer and emphasize those things also when you're out there meeting people instead of just asking for what you need. What are your um, thoughts on saying, and I've got $500,000 to invest, what do I invest in? You know, that can be <laughs> tricky because um, you're going to get a lot of people who might jump on you, <laughs> um, you know, when, you, when you're flashing. Maybe out. that's what you want, huh? I don't know. It might be. I mean, maybe you want 20 people beating down your door and you want to filter through them. You know, maybe you just want to let out that you're looking to, maybe that's the test too, right? You say, I have $500,000 to invest. What should I do? And if they just say, oh, invest in this without asking what your goals are, well, maybe, you know, maybe push that person to the side. Find out, you know, someone who's looking out for what you specifically want and your goals and your lifestyle. I think it'd be tricky how much of your personal information you share up front. A lot of what I'm trying to do at a meetup or a networking event or like at the summit is you're trying to, you know, figure out who you might want to meet ahead of time, be open to who you're meeting there, what you're learning, make that initial contact to follow up later. I mean, frankly, at any meetup event, you're never going to be able to deepen a relationship too much just there. You know, it's a limited amount of time. Everyone's there at once. Um, at least from my perspective, you want to utilize that time to find the people who are right for you, establish a connection, and then make a note that you do need to follow up with them later. You're not going to go for the juggler and pitching a deal <laughs> that night. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's not quite like speed dating, but the idea is that you're all there, you know, and have limited time while everyone's together to find the people that you find really interesting and want to talk to more. You're not going to get married that night, right? You're not going to probably leave and go on a, a 10 hour thing together, but it is a great chance where you can find out, okay, there is that spark on the other side of there's something I'm really interested in learning here and making sure you take some notes about that, you know, make a note to follow up and then do it later. So I paid 400 bucks to go to this and I drove an hour to get here and now I'm like nervous and I don't want to talk to anybody. What, what are some ways to get yourself out of that? Well, it's actually, we're trying to do that. I know I figure out about a quarter to a third of people are really nervous about talking to other folks. Um, so we're going to do a few specific things actually to help work on that. One is the networking app, I think makes it a little bit less tension filled of meeting someone in person. So you can always, you know, send them a message. You can see their face. You can see what they're doing, get a hold of them ahead of time. And then you can also schedule meetings at a specific location. So you can meet them in person without having to just kind of cold walk up to people. So you have um, like stations or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they did something similar at the Airbnb open. I don't know if you've ever been down there, but it's basically a little meeting space with different numbers so people can go set an online meeting to go meet there and talk in person. Cool. Yeah, I've seen other meetings where 
you wear like a badge if you're if you're a flipper or if you're a wholesaler if you're a buy and hold guy and it's kind of like going to the club where they give you like the taken or single ban yeah yeah it helps speed things up a little bit yeah so we're um so we're doing the networking app to get started on that and then actually we're gonna have some stuff on the name tags that'll indicate you know like where you're from what you're most interested in and investing and then we're gonna do breakout groups slash networking sessions where essentially you know, break out into different topics. So if you're interested, you know, specifically of out-of-state investing in a particular state, you go to this breakout group over there. Someone will be talking about that, having a discussion first, and then there'll be a networking little session right after that. So for anyone who's, you know, interested in the exact same topics there for the breakout session, they're going to have the opportunity to meet other people in that in a more targeted manner. Um, so it'll be easy to do, less pressure, and again, hopefully meeting the people that are most meaningful to you. Part of that, I, you know, I think you just got to drop your hesitance a little bit and just feel, you know, everyone wants to meet you. They're all friendly. I actually love this. Uh, Justin Louis came out last year and he said he was so nervous when he came in, but because everyone's really open and sharing, it's not the same kind of tight wound group that you might find in some locations and people have felt really comfortable with it. So, um, we're going to do our best to accommodate that. And I hope most meetup groups do, but you really got to take it upon yourself to go, you know, open up a little bit. Everyone wants to do the same thing you're doing. Um, so don't be shy. It's not, you know, it's not high school all over. No one's going to bully you or anything. Right. And you know, if, if you're talking to someone too long, Hey, move it around, get, get yeah. going. The other person wants to get going too. Yeah. This isn't to get start dating or, you know, to get married. This is to go meet people that interest you so that you can follow up later. And I would say treat it as such for yourself to respect your own time and for other people's time too. This is to get introduced. It's not to, uh, you know, slip the ring on. And this isn't the form or we don't have the time to get into different techniques on like, how do you bow out of a conversation gracefully? I, th I think a good book for that is Never Eat Lunch Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Any other book recommendations? Well, I've been focusing on my business as far as um, systems and procedures and work the system was really powerful for me. Um, I know that's not exactly uh, on the networking line, but I think it's important for anyone, whether you have an investment, a business, whatever it may be, you need to have processes to save your time so you can go do more networking or go live your life and lay on a beach. Um, and if you don't have those, I think the rest is going to be really difficult. I think a great example of you need to go out and do it. I mean, people like, like myself, like engineers, we need to read it in a book and because we're like machines and we're weird <laughs> like that, but like for more naturals and other folks, it's you just got to do it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say like my, my one thing that networking brought me to and what, you know, ties in with what you focus on and talk about as far as like passive cash flow and lifestyle. I wanted to get out so bad and I thought it was going to take me till I was 40 or 50 or 60 to be able to travel the world. And I think I was stuck in my own mindset about what was possible. And I hadn't met enough people who were doing it. So at least for me, networking took me from, oh yeah, maybe I can do this in 20 or 30 years, like everyone typical, or most people never do it, frankly. And networking took me to being around a mindset of people that not only believe it could be done, but some had already did, done it before. And that allowed me to, again, not reinvent the wheel, but kind of hitch on to what had been going on and get to my goal way quicker than I ever thought was imaginable. I was getting out of school during the financial crisis. You know, I think it's a powerful way to get there, but whether it be networking or something else, 
I think everyone can achieve their goals a lot faster than they think if they're willing to focus on it. You know, you're only fooling yourself to think that'll take 30, 40 years to get there. You talk to a lot of people and a lot of high level people. So in the seller's market, what are you investing in? What is, uh, what are you, what are you taking from the expertise of everybody else? Yeah. You know, um, it's kind of been interesting. I've been combining, you know, what I've learned from other people with what I want in my own life. And what I found out is that when I'm traveling and it, it literally took me talking to other people to figure this out, even though it seems so simple when I'm traveling about 10 or 10 out of 12 months of the year, it is extremely difficult, if not almost impossible to buy a bunch of properties. Uh, at least for me, I like to go see a property if I'm going to buy it, especially in the Bay area because it's pretty expensive. And so I found that purchasing physical assets is very difficult for me actually while I'm traveling. Um, and part of the reason I'm also traveling right now is I think that, again, I'm a big believer in economic cycles, real estate cycles. And I think that there may be, you have to work a little bit harder right now, I think, to get a good building and good return. Um, and again, you're out in Hawaii, so at least you have a nice place to relax while you're waiting for the, you know, looking for the right. <laughs> that was the point of it. <laughs> exactly. And I, I actually, I, you know, I read that and I feel the same way as like, someone was telling me, man, I have to work 10 times harder for a deal that makes half the money. And I'm like, I'm on vacation until, <laughs> you know, until I find one that meets my criteria or until there's a point in the economic cycle that I feel is a little bit better reward relative to risk, which I feel like is when everyone doesn't have a job and things are starting to get better is a better time to buy real estate generally than when everyone's trying to buy it. Right. It's like, you, you let me know when LeBron James retires, then I'll, uh, then I'll start playing basketball. Again, yeah. You know? yeah. Like, and, and it's not to say that there aren't deals available in this market, but I think the amount of work that needs to be done relative to the risk reward and what comes next, you know, there's some people who are always deploying capital. I'd say that's good if it works for you. For me, I like to selectively deploy it when my odds are best, so to speak. And there's more options on the table. Um, so, that's so you're, you're a guy who, when, when you get, when you see the dealer has a six showing and you have a pair of tens, you split the tens, split them the and then double down if you can. Right. Yeah. It's, you gotta, I mean, it's kind of like uh, Warren Buffett, you know, greedy when others are fearful, fearful when others are greedy. And I think in his last annual report, he said, you know, every seven to nine years or so it, it rains and then it pours. And when that happens, you need to be out there with the biggest bucket you have. Again, I'm not all about market timing or this or this or that, but I want to deploy my capital when it has the best probability for me to be successful without a lot of work. So I think for those who can find deals now, I say great, invest in them. You know, if you just want to take some time off and relax too, again, there's some balance between when you go live your dreams and go do all that and the amount of work you do to get there. So for me, I enjoy some of it now while I think the market doesn't have quite as many opportunities. And maybe when there's a lot more deals, I might travel a little bit less, uh, you know, and, and buy some stuff like that. But I, I will say, you know, to be honest, my lifestyle has been challenging in regards to buying property. But what's most important to me is my lifestyle. And I'm at a point where I'm okay. Um, and I can do deals later, you know, when they present the opportunity. So um, I'm just focusing really on enjoying my life and, and traveling and growing my business a little bit in the meantime and uh, having other people manage that for me. I totally agree with everything you said there. And I'll add on that I'm tying it back to the whole networking thing. I mean, take a big picture of what's happening here, guys. Like the, there's funding and then there's deals. 
right now there's a whole bunch of funding out there. There's a whole lot of people with a whole bunch of money in their pocket, not doing anything. And there's not many deals. And very soon that's going to, you know, transition over. There's gonna be a lot of deals and there's not going to be any money. So now's the time to be making the contacts with the people with money and interested in real estate, because when that switch happens, everybody's going to be going back and hiding. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and this was, it may not be exactly the same as the last cycle, but that's exactly what you saw, right? The money was so, so tight. The deals were so, so plentiful, but it's because it's almost like the real estate was too cheap. People were too scared. Right. But that's like when, like what Warren said, right? That's when you come out with the bucket and you do need to have those contacts. Um, it's so crazy. You mentioned this because I was talking to someone who, you know, was thinking about speaking at the event, but they're like, Oh, we're really busy and we don't have any deals right now. So, you know, we don't need to raise any money, so we're not going to come out. And I was just like, you know, if you're a farmer, you plant your seeds before it rains, you know, you don't, you don't wait till it rains and go, Oh, great. <laughs> you know, like, you know, put the seeds in the ground and hopefully they'll grow real quick. So anyway, I just would second what you say there. I mean, just build those relationships all the time. And when you need them, they'll be there. You know, don't just go out and seek something right when you need it, or you'll, you'll find that it's probably not going to be there. That's what I'm doing strategically with this podcast and the website. Yeah, I mean, the great. Hui Deal Pipeline Club, that's, that's an investor database, and I pump out deals when I get them. But, but people are like, where's my deals, man? I'm like, <laughs> there are no deals now. Like, it's not going to come out every Tuesday, you know? Uh-huh. It's very infrequent. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't found a good investment property lately, but you know, when they come, they're going to they're gonna start coming. So that's kind of my pitch. The if you haven't already signed up for the email deal list, <laughs> to that person's defense, Jay, you know maybe they have a very mature list. I mean, from what I see, a lot of these guys, they'll train their list down. They'll they'll train their investors to only want ten percent, eight percent, seven percent. Yeah, and they may not need anybody, quite frankly. And yeah, yeah. would I invest yeah. with those guys? Yeah, they're they good at what they do, but they're not going to give me the returns. They're going to take too much of the, the lead commissions. I mean, and this was no knock on any, you know, particular person and, you know, everyone's at a different spot and, you know, all that stuff. I just, I just like the idea of what you're talking about is like, you know, you go out there and you build a relationship over time. It's not a reach out when you need something from someone, you know, type thing. That's what and people value at least over the long term. You're always kind of pushing effort into this machine. And do you want to be pushing your effort into finding deals when deals are hard to come by? Or pushing effort into finding funding and, and building relationships while well, that's easy. Because also right now, everybody is bullish on real estate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I start to get fearful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm always like curious. I, I know you were moving to Hawaii and I think that's one of the things I read. It was like, you know, it's a nice place to, to, you know, selectively hunt for a deal, like a nice place to wait it out. And I just feel the same way about traveling. It's like, I don't think we have to be, you know, 130% all the time. If, if the market's telling you something, okay, you know, sit back, have a Mai Tai for a little bit and, you know, another one will come and you'll be ready for it when it gets there. Right. Right, right. I mean, all the big names aren't doing anything these days, but you know, they're they're going after those three hundred plus units. I mean, I'm not going after those, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I actually have heard of quite a few people saying now, like a few of the high level folks saying they're stashing their cash away, they're getting ready, they're talking to people, they're raising money or getting you know ready to raise money for maybe when there's more opportunity on the horizon. So, you know, whatever people choose to do, again, I'm not discouraging if you find a good deal, but also you know, some people feel like they have money burning a hole in their pocket. Like it's okay to have some cash for future investment. So we're going to try and get this podcast out before sfbasesummit.com. But is there any kind of deal that you can give listeners here? 
Jay? Yeah, that's a great question. It's October 7th and 8th. Um, you know, I think we can maybe, how about this? I, I, if, I'll give at least this and then I'll see if we can give something else. If you, uh, I'll give you a link and if you buy it through there, I will personally buy you your first drink when you come out. And I hey, will... that was my idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who, who doesn't want a, a free drink? And, uh, you know, yeah. to, you know, just come up, find me. Hey, I heard from my show. I'll buy you a drink and I'll introduce you. To, um, honestly, it's just like, it's just a fun, great time to get together with other people. Again, if you can make one good contact, uh, one good idea, I think it's worth your time. That's a pretty fun event to all the bigger pockets folks out there. Um, it is October 7th and 8th in Oakland for anyone who's interested. Yeah, it's com. Yeah, I'm excited to have everyone out. And then uh, after that, I'm heading out to India and then uh, Southeast Asia for a while. People want to get a hold of you, Jay, find a way to add value to you and you know build a relationship with you. I'm sure you'd be willing to give them like a warm contact to someone that they want to meet that is more aligned with what they want to do. I mean, that's yeah. you're 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 the gatekeeper. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we have um, our email on that website, or you can you know email organizer at sfasummit.com. I have someone going through all those. They'll forward them to me. I'm bad about my own email, so I, I hired someone to do that. Screen them at least. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm up to chat with people. You know, I'm just floating around. I'm going down to SoCal for a bit. Um, so feel free to reach out and uh, yeah, or tag me on Bigger Pockets. I'm always on there. Jay Martin is just a letter J. All right, Jay. Anything else? I want everyone to just go enjoy their life and kind of chase their dreams and not just chase it, but go do it. So find a way to go make that happen and uh, just love your life and uh, enjoy it. All right. We'll get you on and and run through some of these other questions at a later time, maybe after the summit's over. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) Thanks, Jay. Talk to you later, man. All right, bye. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.